This is a special edition of Fertile Edge by Reproductive Science Center of San Francisco Bay, featuring as host, Dr. Michael Homer. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Homer, and I'm a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility doctor here at Reproductive Science Center in the Bay Area. And this is our podcast, Fertile Edge. And uh, today I want to do my first podcast with a patient, a very special patient today, and her name is Jamie Silverman, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, my name is Jamie Silverman, and I am now the very proud mother of a baby girl, and I couldn't have been more happy with this whole process or my treatment here at the Reproductive Science Center. <laughs> yes, you can't get that in that. No. And, we're, and we're done. That was great. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so, so Jamie came to me... Mm, Two years ago? Something like yeah, that? it was it was April of okay. twenty seventeen. Okay, so how old right now is your child? Right sixteen months. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was a little while. Yeah, so that makes about right. If you yep. do the math, that sounds about right. So about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I always have a question for patients that I sometimes want to ask, but it's good to ask after the fact. So what the hell made you want to do this? <laughs> like is this like a like a lightning bolt? Is this like a like a, a gradual thing? Friends? I don't know. Honestly, it was a lightning bolt. Okay. So I was thinking about it for the longest time, but never truly acted. And I went to a Mexican restaurant with my parents, and they just sat there saying, what are you waiting for? When are you going to actually do it? When are you going to become a mom? What? What is it? What do we have to do? Like, what's going to be the deciding factor? You're financially stable. You have a great career. What? What do we have to do? You have us. You know, come on. Do it. And that's what made me just look and see about getting my fertility checked. Okay. And I found the Reproductive, Reproductive Science Center, and you offer that, and it just stemmed from there. Oh, my God. Was there, like, <laughs> that's awesome that your mom's, like, get yep. on it. Right? We all know our grandparents. We all know the parents want to be grandparents. They do. But to be bluntly is great. Um, okay, especially the Mexican restaurant. And the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And so when you started, I mean, what, but you had to have had some fears, right? I mean, you had to have something, right? I mean, or, or, or maybe not. Maybe I'm assuming something here. I mean, I think the biggest fear is that it's not going to work. Okay. Is that you're going to go through it and you're not going to have a child at the end. Like, I wasn't afraid of anything else except that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I guess there's really no way to know until you find out, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, All that's right. what made it unique. I had no idea if I had fertility issues. Like, right, I right, because no you hadn't tried. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually a key thing, too, is that I think a lot of women, that's a thing for us to know, too, is that when they come in, when we when we see them, usually not having a history is actually a good thing. Because, I mean, everyone comes to my office, and most people come out to have a history of trying and not being successful. But when a woman comes in and they haven't tried yet, then it's a grab bag. It's a wild card. And it actually tends to work in your favor. Um, in terms of just what the numbers look like and everything. Yeah, but then that was also my question back to you. That initial meeting, could I have been more prepared with information you would have needed versus the clean slate of, I don't know if I have fertility issues, I just want to be responsible and have a child in the right way. Right. Like, versus having a whole history of infertility issues coming ah, to you. That's a good question. Actually, so I would say that there are three blood tests that one can get in the very beginning of their cycle, right? And their OBGYN or doctor can order that. We also ordered it ourselves, but having that at the first get-go was great. So ovarian reserve is a very important thing to know. And so that is AMH, which is a blood test that can technically be drawn at any day of your cycle, but however, day three is also fine to save on blood tests. 
because two other blood tests, follicle stimulating hormone, FSH, and estradiol, those are also tests to be drawn on the second or third day of your period. And those three tests, plus an ultrasound that I can do in the office, will give me a really good idea of ovarian reserve. Okay, And then that helps us from that part also if you know where you want to get the sperm. Okay, So in that particular sense, we have sperm banks and known sperm donors. And so if someone has an idea for a known sperm donor, that is usually a really good conversation to have before you come in to see me. <laughs> So we, because it just, because getting a known sperm donor going and being FDA legal and all that takes like two plus months. Mm. And so sometimes patients come in and say, well, I have this person in mind, but I haven't asked them yet. Well, that person sometimes needs a couple of months or, you know, sometimes weeks or months I've seen to like get their head wrapped around it to say yes. Or so doing that ahead of time is probably that those are those two are things. Now you don't have to have those done. We can do this for you, but that would be, that's usually the easiest thing. Okay. Yes. Now, your story, though, I suppose, so, did, like, did you assemble a support team for yourself? Like, you know, like, your parent, clearly your parents. Clearly like, that, They but better back up. <laughs> they better back it up. I feel like my friends already were going to support me, and they were just pushing me to do it now. Really? So, my two best friends have kids of their own, and they wanted that for me. Okay. So, they were just like... Dropping little hints and anytime you need, you know, anything. We're there. We're there. And, you know, sure enough, they have been. So it's like it just naturally formed. I didn't even need to go out and ask. They were just already okay. there. Now, I've had patients who have been single parents by choice who have actually struggled a little bit because they have they have their friends coming up to and being, it's almost like being overly supportive, like too supportive. Mm. Like in a sense, that's almost like pushing them to do it, right? but not really, like the person may not feel kind of quite ready or something. I mean, have you ever, did you ever experience any of that with your friends at all? Or it was just all nice and positive and you're on the same page? And... Oh yeah, I mean, I wasn't ready when I was in my late 20s or early 30s right. when they were having kids. Okay. You know, it wasn't until much later when their kids were much older where they're like, hey Jamie, you're like 39 now. I think I was like two months shy of being 40 when I came in here. Okay. So that kind of is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what triggered it. I had to also be ready okay. and feel like I'm stable enough that I can do it. Yes. And that, that, right. That is a huge, obviously a huge factor as well. Um, the other thing though, is that your story had a bit of a twist. A couple. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so what do you want to, how about you can say it? I can say it. I mean, just because it's easier. Yeah. So, I mean, we tried a few IUIs. Right. We went with simpler first because I didn't have any known infertility. So let's not go super invasive to start. Right. And then things started to uncover itself. (laughs) And how many did we do? About like two. two, I was going to say two or three. Yeah, we did two. And then we started the testing and it's like, well, maybe there is something going on. Right. So through that, I found... I add no mitosis or something, you know, you did that, that. (laughs) things I'd never even heard of that could have caused it. And, um, so it was an eye opener. And then when we really started talking about my priorities with a child, I never once said I wanted a kid that looks like me, that is genetically tied to me. I just wanted a healthy child. And it was the eye opener was, well, maybe your best approach is not to use your own eggs. Right. So that's when we decided that maybe the best approach is an egg donor. Yeah. You know, it was safer for me because I would have had issues during the mm-hmm. egg retrieval process and it was just some unnecessary procedures I might have had to have. 
So mm. then it was egg donor. And that was tough <laughs> to, yeah. to do. Okay. It took me a while to be okay with that. Yes. And then when I found the right donor, it just kind of clicked. And then we had a couple surgeries before, or one surgery before the procedure. Right. And then yep. one IVF and I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and have a baby. Um, baby, baby. Okay. So did you, so my, I, I'm always, I have patients who need donor eggs, right? And I'm always trying to figure out the best. I, you did enough times, you feel like you've gotten kind of like a good way and a good approach, right? It yeah. be better though, right? So do you feel like if you, if you had to hear, or you went through this, you mm -hmm. heard donor egg maybe for the first time, and I don't know if it was a complete shock to you or if it was like a total like mind blown situation. I just thought of it. Right. And then right. I'm looking at these websites of these women and I'm like, is this, do I want this person? <laughs> like, right. And you, you know, the, the good thing is you can see them as an adult with the sperm donor it's them as children. Yes. So they're less identifiable with the women as adults. You're like, why can't it be me? <laughs> you know, why, yeah. you know, why me? Right. And right. then, um, so I just kind of found this one donor. I read about her and I just like, instantly felt like I'd want to be friends with that girl. Okay. And then that's oh, what clicked okay. for me. That makes it okay. Now, did you have friends help you select? Oh, I had parties. Yeah, so I was yeah. going to say, you probably yeah, yeah. Right. I, I had parties. I blasted on the big screen and we just went through everything because my, my best friend's a teacher. So she's just like, oh, yeah, that's nature versus nurture. You want that. You want that about that person. <laughs> and we just kind of like went through tons and tons of like, you know, male profiles and female profiles until we settled on it. Okay. But I kind of made it like a party. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine that gets them in, that gets them invested. That gets like, you know, obviously, you know, look, it, it you, you can do a lot of things. You need that support, right? You need that help. Right. During the pregnancy at delivery. I mean, so, yeah. like, I mean, so once you were pregnant, right, uh -huh. did you, or maybe even before, what resources did you use to help you kind of make these decisions? Did you have any besides, besides your fabulous clinical oh, team? Besides my fabulous yes. clinical <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. There's a lot of great um, videos on YouTube okay. of women going through this. There's some books as well, like women of choice, like women having babies by yes. choice is a very popular topic and it's getting a lot of publicity. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can read about it and everyone's journey is different and everyone's reasoning for doing it is different. Um, so I yeah. wanted to be as much informed as I can. Okay. A lot of that though is what happens after what happens, you know, after the pregnancy, not during or when you're meeting right. with the fertility staff. So at that point, I was just a little lost because those stories happen with couples going through it. And okay. there is not as much out there for single people going through that process okay. and what they need or what they may be in for starting that alone. When, when, when were you scared? Uh, I was scared. I think it was like nine weeks when I started to bleed a little bit and I okay. came in here cause you guys yeah. are doing my daily injections cause right. yeah. I wasn't going to do that myself. Yeah. <laughs> and there was bleeding and that's the first time I was scared. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then how were you? And then during the pregnancy, I was, was there sort of ups and downs while you were pregnant? Like, Oh my God, like I can't get off this train. Like this is, this is going to happen. Or was it all just like, nestled in. I was like, when? Now, 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 okay. now. Okay. Can, okay. can she come now? Like, not now, not now. Early, too early, but okay. okay. Yeah, I okay. couldn't wait to okay. her. And then how about at, at like after, like who, so who was in the delivery room with you? My mother was. Okay. So I think though, I had a doula 
And I'm uh, very happy I had her because she was my advocate and she was able to like help me through this process, which was a little scary because my, you know, for me, it was a little about two and a half days where I'm in the hospital going through labor. So friends were coming in and out, but she was like constant in there and she knew the questions, she knew when, she knew what to expect and how to help me. So I felt uh, like that was like, it's nice to have when you yes. for a couple, but it was super crucial for me going through that, like to have her there for me. It's real. I so I delivered. I delivered before this. I delivered kids for seven years. So mm-hmm. I worked with doulas. I worked with midwives. Like you know, midwives helped train me. Um, and so where we, I was in San Diego, we had doulas all the time. I had a volunteer doula program. Oh nice! It's, shout out to UCSD. Yeah. They had a full on like you, if someone requested a doula, and if there was usually someone available, they would come in. Doesn't matter the time of night. Free is free. Right. And uh, and it was it was fantastic. And but yeah. that makes so much sense to think of that it in that does. particular situation. I think most people should get a doula. I mean, C-section rates are lower with doulas. Um, there's been good studies on them. But in that this particular scenario, it makes a it lot of really sense. It was really important. Yes. And it's really important to choose the right one. But, you know, and to yes. know what to ask. I told him, like, if you bring out drums or incense or something, <laughs> I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, they have, they, I, I've had some doulas come in. I'm like, how's the contractions? They're like, we're not calling them contractions today. They're surges. I'm like, Oh, yeah, no, whatever. No, no, that's no. fine. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, like I'll call them that, but just yes. But every once in a while, the room would be fully prepared. Um, but just be careful. The longer your birth wish list is, the the sometimes it goes off the rails a little bit more. Oh, mine went completely off the rails. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty much my birth one was. I just know that I would like some drugs okay, okay. <laughs> process. Okay. Whether or not I deliver naturally or C-section, I'm gonna leave that to chance. I just know I would like to have some medicine help me. <laughs> How was that first night? Oh, uh, well, after it, delivering. Or that first uh, day. So I had some complications after. Okay. So that was rough. Like, I basically started to bleed out. Okay. So that was kind of rough. My blood pressure, like, spiked. But a few days after, yeah. it was great. Okay. Because <laughs> my best friends were in the room because someone had to stay with me. So, you know, I always had someone there and I'd wake up, I'm like, oh, you're here. <laughs> and, you know, I'm so I'd see, like, my best friends just there, like, holding my child and comforting her. So it was amazing. Like, I truly felt at that point, these girls were more than just offering to help. They were here helping. Wow. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. That's the story. And that's, um, How's life now? Oh, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> I couldn't be more happy. You know, I, I have to work, but my work is just so tolerant and so amazing. And my parents take care of my daughter, mm-hmm. and I have a nanny that comes in. So if okay. the nanny can't make it, my parents are there, and they can cover. So I haven't felt that it impeded on anything I need to do to make us financially stable. And okay. But when I get home and she's there and I just scream and I see this big smile on her face, I'm just like instantly like in love. And everything just like, it's just amazing. It's perfect. And do it's you perfect. and then do you have, and this is it's kind of almost a slight question, but I feel like, do you have a lot of people coming up to you being like, she looks just like you? Oh my gosh, <laughs> completely, right. utterly. Right. And I'm just like, that's great. And by the way, so <laughs> the audience who can't see your daughter, who's really cute, kind of does look like Amy. Like, I mean, I mean, I think you choose donors maybe that are going to be in the same, maybe, I don't even know, was your donor no. kind of looking like you a little bit? No, or? she was like an Irish redhead. No. And the dad had super dark hair, and she's like a completely fair, blonde, curly hair, blue eyes. I don't, oh, so I'm I not mean, sure. I'm I mean, sure. so there is, there, you know, imprinting. And um, and epigenetics is a real thing. It's, I'm not going to say it's kind of full blown things, but here's the one key thing: is that 
women, especially using donor egg situation, is that your body carrying actually will turn on and off specific genes. So you do, it's called epigenetics, so it's on top of the genetics, but like on top of. You actually do have the ability to switch things on and off. So you will see traits that get sort of passed through from carrier to the child. And um, now, I mean, the, the genes are still going to be dominant. Like, if, oh, yeah. you're not going if, to, if the donor was, say, Asian, like, we're, just not, we're not going to change that, right? But, no. um, right? but there are things that one can do, and even personality traits, that can, obviously, because that's a bit of a nurture thing as well. But right, there yeah. are some things that can be switched on and off, definitely in utero. So it's a key thing as well. Yeah, and you know, it took three people to have her. I mean, that's pretty right. amazing, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Most people just have two. Right, 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 right. Um, and um, so, I mean, I, I know this is a little generic question, but I think that it is important. Like, are there like two or three things that you feel like that are like, like if someone's, say someone's listening right now, right? And they're kind of like, oh, I'm interested in this kind of school. I don't really know if this is for me or whatever. Like, what do you think might be like two or three things to sort of focus on, you know, that kind of help that decision, you know, like that kind of rides on. You mentioned one before, because you said, like, I just realized, like, I just want a child. Like, I mean, like that was a priority. Like identifying priorities, I always tell my patients. Is yeah. What, like, what do you think or feel like are priorities to identify for yourself? For me, it was, is my life set up where I can have a child? And okay. be a successful mother. The career that I was working on, it wasn't. Like, I was in film and gaming. I was working 70 hours a week. There's no way I could have had a family. So I had to change that. Like, I had to reshape my life so that I can be as much of a full-time parent as possible. Okay. So that, but not everyone has to go through that, but I felt yeah. that was important. Okay. And I also needed to know that financially, I could support her and us. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of expenses <laughs> that come along with having a child, and I wanted her to have everything. So I needed to know that I had, I was stable enough that I could do that for her. Okay. Also, I was kind of looking at nannies and situations before I had her, before I went through the process. Yes. Because yes. I knew that there's no chance I'm going to be able to work from home or not have to work and raise her. <laughs> that wasn't going to be an option. <laughs> yeah. So I had to look at the situation of when she comes, what is that going to look like? You know, what is the situation with au pairs or with live-in nannies or nannies that come right. in? So I did a lot of research on that to be aware of the cost for it and what the situation looks like because I needed to have a plan when she came. Yes. Yeah. And I do feel like that child care, stable as, as a father of three, right? <laughs> stable child care is a, is a huge thing for life stress, right? Now, you know, if you hopefully the nanny can be stable in terms of staying there for a while, right? Yeah. So you never know. You know, sometimes they kind of come and go, our pairs have a certain time frame, right? Right. Um, but at least they're sort of set and you know, right? Um, but that's that's good, yeah. So making sure that you can that you can support them, mm-hmm. making sure that there's someone there to help you take care of them, I think it's the priority, right? Yeah. And then also kind of like, hey, what do I want? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think like that's that's when when patients come in and think of single parent by choice. I have some patients come in and they'll come in for fertility preservation. So come in, everyone, most people have heard of egg freezing, right? Yeah. And they like great. And then I also let them know, well, fertility preservation is the umbrella term. And that includes egg freezing and embryo freezing, right? And embryos are better to freeze. They're higher chances. It's much higher with the an embryo versus an egg because all the variability that can happen with the sperm and egg meat is kind of figured out now, just not mm-hmm. in the future. So that adds a lot of... Each egg has a you know, 7% chance of a child. Each embryo maybe like 60% or more depends upon the situation that we have. 
So that's an easier time. It's fertility preservation, but it ties you to a sperm, right? So someone has to be kind of okay with that versus freezing eggs for a possible future partner. But I've also had patients come and freeze their eggs and then a couple, like they, they freeze their eggs and then like maybe like four months later, they're like, what am I doing? Like, no, <laughs> like I want a child, right? And so I think right right around when you were going out and, and graduating, as we like to say, <laughs> yeah. another woman was coming in. It was very similar to that. She did egg freezing. And then it was something like six months later, she's like, no, like, no, yeah, this is what I want to do. And so we did IVF and then thawed her eggs and did another IVF round because it was available and that was also successful. But um, but part of also coming in is that I always let patients know freezing eggs, you can also consider pregnancy now. And that is typically in that situation, a single parent by choice. Um, and so knowing all of those options and there's tons of them. Yeah, there's because, because I know there is, there <laughs> kind of is. Like in IVF, as I'm, I used to be an engineer and I always think about like, it's kind of like what decision trees, right? But when you have these options and freezing and the ability to preserve fertility, then you have this huge, all these new doors open up. Yeah. And you're right. It can be completely overwhelming it from is, the beginning. Which is why I was so happy I was here and you were able to help me make those calls because I had no idea. Like I was about to do this crazy expensive package with the egg donor bank that guaranteed you a yes. lot of work. Yes. And you're like, Jamie, you, you don't need that. You're going to have like a good right. success rate. And think about it. You would need to have like three failed attempts before that was cost effective. Yes. So it's like... You right. know, having that support and like really talking to your medical yes. team is so right. important because I, I mean, I have so many things I have to try and like answer for, like all these questions. I don't know what to do. So it's right. like right. having that trust and really opening up and asking your doctor, or your, like the medical staff for help is what you need to do. Yes. Yeah. It also helps me at an award, plugging time, an award winning <laughs> egg freezing thawing clinic. Um, so it's just going to happen. And um, yes, that is very true. <laughs> it always helps. Yeah, you want to thaw your eggs at a place that can handle them. And rant, um, and also, in general, anything that you do. Now, if it comes just for, for, the, for everyone listening, when it comes to clom, uh, IUI, intrauterine inseminations, mm -hmm. clomids, letrozoles, or pills, or things like that, success rates amongst clinics are basically going to be the same, Okay, which is, which is great because they can be successful. When you talk about IVF or in vitro fertilization or using eggs or those eggs, something's happening outside of the body. You really want to make sure that you check with your um, you check with your um, your clinic, their numbers, their success rates. Uh, Sart.org, S-A-R-T.org, is also good resources for clinical comparisons. It's not a perfect comparison because different clinics take different patients and clientele, but at the same time, it gives you a good start as well as reviews. Um, okay, so um, in the words, in the interest of keeping this under twenty-five minutes, when no one's asleep. Um, <laughs> What, I mean, you don't have to, but do you have anything else that you want to let us know? Enlighten us with your wisdom. Oh, it was just the best thing I ever did. Like, I, you know, there's a lot of things I missed out on, you know, the whole husband thing and marriage thing, and I wasn't going to miss out on this. And I am so happy I did it. And even though there were some complications, like during the end of pregnancy, I'm so glad I felt what it is like to be pregnant and having this little life inside. Like, it just, it was everything I could have hoped for. And I would do it again if I wasn't 43. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to say, I'm like, don't we have extras? I'm we do, sure we and do. Like, I, I can't do anything with them. Like, they're still here. I, I can't bring myself to, to do, do, do that. But, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> they're here. <laughs> okay. I think we're going to end on that one. Um, okay. So, again, this is Michael Homer. I'm here in the Los Gatos office at Reproductive Science Center. 
We're here with Jamie Silverman, a fantastically successful <laughs> patient here. Um, and, uh, and I really appreciate you. Um, if you um, want to get any more information, rscbayarea.com is a good place to get information. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>